Hello to my fellow humans with true crime obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I am Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, with my co-host at my feet, as always, the baby dog Rory. Today, we're going to take a look at the Chicago Tylenol murders. Without further ado, cue that music. tuning in last week and this week and all of the weeks to come our audience is definitely growing so all over the united states massachusetts michigan which is where i'm i'm you know i'm i'm located uh, texas oklahoma uh so lots of cool really cool places it's uh interesting norway we still have someone in norway and someone in costa rica so it's really awesome uh, it's so weird to think that my voice is being heard by so many people. I had someone follow me on social media. I think it was Instagram. So it's just, it's really cool. It's very interesting. Um, I'm happy that people are enjoying it. Uh, my friends that that do know have really enjoyed it so far. So I'm really excited. Uh, I look forward to growing more and kind of seeing where this goes. We might stay really small. Maybe we get to be like medium. I, I can't imagine us getting like to be like, huge but uh you know if that's what happens that'd be lit uh so yeah so pretty excited uh so today as of today on the 15th of 2022 i really haven't told that many people about this podcast so if you're listening and it is past that date i'm sorry i didn't tell you uh it's it's just something that I, i'm really self-conscious uh, i want to build and grow this in kind of an organic way especially when we're first starting I, I just, I, you know, I'm going to invite more people eventually. I'll probably like post on my Facebook or Instagram or something like that. But I just want this to be something that I start. I have a good base going. Uh, I definitely need to do better with the social media piece of things. I was like really killing it at the beginning. And then I've kind of fallen off. It's been a busy week, really busy week at work. Uh, we had lots of different like trainings this week, I developed like e-learning for a living. So we had like a big thing of like professional development all week. So it was just really, really busy. And I didn't really have an opportunity. I just felt like I was like working, going to the gym, coming home and going to sleep. So I, I, I just, I didn't, I just didn't get to it, but I promise I'm going to keep working on and getting, making it better. I know, you know, I, I know that my personal people, they'll be super supportive and that will be really cool of them. And I know that they, you know, I know that they'll be really awesome. Uh, but it is just kind of just been a crazy week this weekend. My brother and sister-in-law moved in to their new house. So it was really busy all day yesterday, woke up super early, but we're here, we're doing this. I try to record these before the day that I say that they're going to go out, <laughs> but yeah, I wrote the next few episodes, which is really cool because my husband is actually having surgery this week on his shoulder, so I don't know how much I'm actually going to be able to write because, you know, my priority is him and making sure that his pain management is under control, but I have a couple of episodes ready to go, so I can just do like a quick record next week uh, at some point, but yeah, that will be kind of be the thing. And then like, I'll, I'll probably sit with him 
and help him and, and probably just write some stuff and just make sure that I'm being present with him. Uh, so yeah, this is, I just want, I want to make sure that I'm doing this for the right reason and not just like trying to use it as like an attention thing. It's not about that. It's something that I'm really passionate about. I'm excited about, and I just want to be as organic as possible with this. All right, so let's jump into the case for this week. This is the Chicago Tylenol murder. So this happened in 1982, and it happened pretty quickly, only over maybe the course of like a few days. Very sad. The And, and it's, it's just a weird case because it's not like someone going around and chopping people up or like serial killer kind of. This was really just someone that kind of, was super messed up in the brain and was like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing and really hurt all these people. And the first victim was actually a 12 year old. Her name was Mary Kellerman from Sir Hamburg in, in Chicago. I'm sorry if I don't say some of the names, uh, it, he, she just kind of didn't go to school. She wasn't feeling good. And, uh, so she stayed home and from school, she took some, she took some Tylenol and her dad, her dad told the Chicago Tribune, like he heard her go into the bathroom. I heard the door close and then I heard something drop. I went to the bathroom door and I called Mary, are you okay? There was no answer. Uh, I called again. Hey, Mary, are you okay? Still no answer. Opened up the bathroom door and the, his little girl was on the floor unconscious. She's still in her pajamas and she had just taken some Tylenol. She wasn't feeling good. So it's just really sad. And one of the paramedics that was on the call, because the, the, the father, obviously, he called 911 immediately and was like, holy crap, let's go. And the paramedics uh, with the Kellerman girl, Mary, uh, w- the guy's name was David uh, Sp- Sprung. And David was one of the best paramedics that the this fire firefighter inspector for the Elk Grove Village Fire Department he'd ever met. And he threw everything in the drug box at that girl to try to make her better to save her life. And unfortunately nothing worked. So at nine 56, that same day, the same day she just didn't go to school cause she wasn't feeling good. She was pronounced dead at Alex and brothers medical center in Elk Grove, uh, the Elk Grove village. So later that day, same day that Mary died, uh, Adam Giannis had, stayed home from work because he felt like he was getting a cold, which is great, right? Because that's what we should do when we're sick. We should stay home. <laughs> and so he went to pick up his kids from preschool, stopped at the store to get some Tylenol because he wasn't feeling good, right? Came home. They had some lunch with his kids. And he said, hey, I'm going to take some Tylenol and lay down. And a couple minutes later, he came staggering into the kitchen and he collapsed. His brother, Stanley, and his sister-in-law, Teresa, uh, they also later died of taking Tylenol from that exact same bottle that he did. So absolutely crazy. And then within the next few days after that, a 31-year-old named Mary, uh, Paula, 35, and Mary, another Mary of 27, they were all dead from the same, from similar incidents. So once it was realized that all these people were taking Tylenol, tests were quickly carried out. And they soon found out that it was actually cyanide in the, in the capsules. So warnings were issued by social media. Uh, patrols were going around with like loudspeakers, like warning the residents throughout 
the Chicago metro area to discontinue the use of Tylenol products. Bottles were being recalled by Johnson & Johnson. It had been discovered that many of the extra strength Tylenol pills, they had been laced with potassium cyanide, the thing that was killing people so quickly. Once this was made public, Johnson & Johnson issued numerous ads and warnings to customers to avoid the product and they became working crazy and on a triple sealed package that would prevent any kind of tampering because this is obviously a situation where somebody was tampering with the bottles. Unfortunately, there were some other incidents when Sign. I don't exactly know how to say it. I'm sorry. Uh, they were added to some Tylenol uh, bottles in California. A national recall of Tylenol was issued in October, October 5th, 1982. It's an estimated 31 million bottles were in circulation. And that's a retail value of over $100 million U.S. dollars. And that's essentially the equivalent of like $281 million U.S. dollars today company also advertised in the national media for individuals not to consume any of its products. Acetaminophen, which is one of their main, the main products or main medications in their, in their uh, thing. Cause that was, that was when it was deter- determined that like only those camp, those like capsules had actually been tampered with. Johnson J- Johnson also offered to exchange all Tylenol capsules already purchased by the public for the solid tablets because those were like solid, right? They, they couldn't be tampered with, whereas the capsules could be taken apart and something else be put into them. So there were a few suspects when it came to this. There was a person named James William Lewis of New York City. He actually contacted Johnson & Johnson claiming that he was responsible for the tampering with the bottles and filling the capsules with cyanide. He demanded a million dollars in exchange for him to stop. He was arrested for the crime, right? And he, he, although he wasn't found guilty, he was still imprisoned for extortion because you can't, you can't do that. You can't be like, I did it. Give me the money. So he wasn't, he wasn't found guilty, but he did, he still did go to jail. So he's an idiot. Uh, A second man named Roger Arnold was identified. He was investigated and he was cleared of the killings. He had, because he was identified as a suspect, he ended up having like a nervous breakdown because there was so much media attention, which he uh, blamed on a bar owner named Marty Sinclair, Roger Arnold. He actually shot and killed a man named John Shanish. Uh, He's a computer consultant and a, a father of three who was leaving a bar with multiple friends. He thought that that was the Sinclair, the Marty Sinclair that was was essentially he blamed for for all the media attention that he was getting roger arnold he got convicted obviously of killing uh killing john in 1984 he ended up serving 15 years of his his 30 year sentence for the second degree murder saying in 1996 from prison that he killed a man a perfectly innocent man i had choices i could have walked away uh, he ended up dying in June of 2008. Another person that was a suspect was uh, a lady named Lori Dan. She had poisoned and shot a number of people in May 1988 in a rampage around uh, Winneck, 
Sitka, Illinois. Uh, she was briefly suspected as a as a, a possible connection to the case, but there was uh, unfortunately no direct connection found. So, like I had mentioned, Tylenol, Johnson & Johnson, they were like, oh, we got to do something, right? So they really fortified their bottles so there was no tampering. Uh, the widespread of what happened in Chicago, unfortunately, prompted similar crimes uh, of the nature all over the country. Uh, several more people died from cyanide poisoning found in other over-the-counter medications. Three more deaths occurred in 1986 from tampered gelatin capsules. Uh, a woman died in Yonkers, New York. She had some extra strength Tylenol capsules that were laced with cyanide. The Excedrin capsules in Washington state were tampled, tampered with, resulting in the deaths of two people from cyanide poisoning and the eventual arrest of uh, Bruce Nichols, who was one of the victims, his wife, because of her intentional actions in the crimes that ended up leading to both murders. One, her name was Suzanne Snow, and the other person was Bruce Nichol. Uh, that same year, Procter & Gamble in Campin was called after a spiking hoax in Chicago and Detroit. It resulted in uh, sales drops and a withdrawal from the pain reliever from the market. In 1991, in Washington State, Catherine Danker and Stanley McCorrith were killed from two cyanide tampered boxes of Sudafed. And another lady named Jennifer, she ended up going into a coma from a similar poisoning, but thankfully recovered shortly after. Jennifer's husband, uh, Joseph, was actually convicted of numerous charges in federal Seattle court regarding the deaths of the two other people previously, Catherine and Stanley, uh, and the attempted murder of his wife, who he was abused during their marriage. He was sentenced, Joseph was sentenced to a life imprisonment and lost an appeal for retrial. In 1986, same year that a lot of that other stuff happened, a University of Texas student named Kenneth was found dead in his apartment after succumbing to cyanide poisoning. Tampered Anson capsules were determined to be the source of the cyanide, uh, cyanide found in his body. His death was ruled as a homicide uh, in May of 1986, and in June of 1986, the AP reported that the Travis County medical examiner ruled that he was, it was actually more likely it was a suicide and the FDA determined that he actually had gotten the cyanide from a lab that he, that he worked at. So there were a lot of changes that happened as a result of this incident. So in the 1982 incident, it really inspired the pharmaceutical food and consumer product industries to get their shit together. So they developed tamper-resistant packaging, uh, such as induction seals, improved quality control methods. Uh, moreover, the product tampering, it was made a federal crime. So the new roles resulted in the Stella Nickel conviction, which was the Excedrin uh, tampering case. She was sentenced to 90 years in prison. So don't mess with people's prescription drugs or else. Uh, additionally, the incident prompted the pharmaceutical industry to move away from capsules where they're easy to contaminate with a foreign substance. Uh, it could be, you know, anything could be put in those little capsules. They, they twist apart without 
there's no obvious signs that any kind of like tampering happened. So within the year, the FDA introduced more stringent regulations to avoid product tampering. This led to the eventual replacement of the capsule with the solid capsules that we have more today. A tablet, it's more made in the shape of a capsule um, as a drug delivery form. And with the addition, there's more uh, safety tampering proof things on the bottle so that people can't go in and, and mess with them. All right, so I know this isn't a super long one, but I thought it was very interesting. One of those not normal cases, like I said, they never really found out what happened. <laughs> like, they don't know who did it. Nobody kind of came forward besides that one guy that was being just trying to be extort money out of Johnson and Johnson. They, you know, like I said, there was a couple copycats. They got what they deserved by being a copycat and being a loser for doing that. But other than that, they really don't know what happened. I'm happy that this changed a lot of the different ways that, that people can't get into your medication. And as hard as those bottles are to open sometimes, uh, I'm appreciative so that when I ever have to take Tylenol, or Excedrin, anything, that I don't have to worry about something like this happening. So very thankful that these things changed, but it is truly truly a crime for less I don't have a better word for it that these people had to die for that to, to for those changes to be made all right so like I said kind of a short one today thank you so much for tuning in I'm trying to keep these episodes like I have mentioned before like 30 to 45 minutes I know that not everybody has time to sit down and listen to like an hour and a half podcast. I just really want to make them as digestible as possible, making sure that people have the opportunity to listen to them. There are going to be some, I would love to obviously, I mean, he's been covered like a million times, but like Ed Kemper, Ted Bundy, those will probably be like longer episodes. There's a couple of other ones too, like Zodiac Killer that I want to do. Those are all going to be longer episodes, but I'll probably split them into like two, three parts because like I said, I really want to make these, if you go on a walk with your dog, like I do, I love when my podcasts are about 30, between 30 and 40 minutes because I feel like I can listen to the whole episode and I can, and then I'm done with it. And then it feels great to be able to finish. I'm not having to like stay up at the house, you know, when I'm back at the house trying to continue to listen to it, I just want them to be as digestible, listen them to on the way to the work, whatever works for everybody. So I'll, I'm always going to be open to feedback. If you're like, man, I wish these were longer. Let me know if you have any like case or story suggestions. I'm happy to cover like international ones that maybe I don't know about. Right now I'm kind of sticking to mostly uh, ones that are in the U.S., but I'm happy to cover other ones. There's some really um, cool, scary, I guess cool maybe isn't the best way to say it, but there's some interesting stories that have occurred across the world, and I'd be something that I'd be like happy to cover because crime be everywhere, so it's it's a little bit wild. All my source materials for this, they're going to be in the show notes. Uh, please subscribe. Please rate. We want this podcast to grow. We've obviously already been like reaching other 
other audiences, which is so great. And I, I'm really hoping that I can continue to grow and we can all grow as like a community. Uh, like I said, I'm going to continue to try to do weekly episodes on Sundays. If I'm late, please apologize. Please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> uh, be sure to check me out on Instagram at Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, Twitter at CO dog mom podcast tiktok because we're cool co dog mom podcast but pretty much you can like just be able to search crime obsessed dog bomb and that should come up which i will probably always say <laughs> thank you i appreciate your support stay true crime obsessed love on your animals and be kind and i will talk to you next week <laughs>